Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Freedom Through Faith. Prepare to be blessed as pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau leads us into the anointed study of the Word of God, teaching and empowering you how to impact your world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, teaching you how to receive the blessings and provisions of God and how to walk through this life with Freedom Through Faith. And now, here's Pastor Robert Thibodeau. We now rejoin today's message already in progress. As we already established before, John the Baptist did not invent baptism. It was a commonplace in this day and time that they actually practiced it more than we do now. If you had any type of social change in your life, marriage, graduation, whatever, you were baptized as a symbol of leaving the old behind and everything forward from now on would become new. Here we see Jesus coming to John the Baptist. Amen. Why is he coming to John the Baptist? Why can't he just go to the temple and get baptized? Well, number one, he wasn't from the Bet Safar, the Bet Talmud school. These guys had no idea where Jesus was coming from. We see that later on in the scriptures. They say, where is this guy coming from? Don't we know his parents? You know, he's the carpenter's boy. We got his siblings here with us. How does he know all this stuff? Because they considered him uneducated. But Jesus, receiving the teaching from the private tutors, now knows at age 30 he needs to become a rabbi. Amen. He's he's done all of his studies and he's passed the tests. Now he needs to be baptized that he can be a rabbi. And as we already said, John the Baptist did not invent baptism. Amen. So, here we see Jesus coming to John the Baptist. Why? Well, he's 30 years old, and he's now a rabbi. And he needs to be baptized. And he must be baptized by a recognized spiritual authority in the nation of Israel. Do you remember what the Bible says about John the Baptist? The people held John out to be a prophet sent from God. Huh? Do you remember that? Now that verse makes sense in context of that. The people held John the Baptist out to be a prophet. He was accepted by the people that he was a prophet sent from God. 
which means he's anointed by God for that prophetic office, which also means God recognizes his authority, and if he's called and separated by God and has God's authority in that office, he is also authorized to baptize anyone who comes to him. Amen. So Jesus comes to his cousin, John the Baptist, who just happens to be a recognized authority in Jewish matters, who just happens to also come from a rabbinical family line on both sides of his family, who just happens to be baptizing at the Jordan River when Jesus comes there. And that when, if you look at the root meaning of Jordan for the Jordan River, it means change. And actually, in Scripture, it's called the, the River Jordan. What it's saying is the river of change. And that's what Jesus was doing. He was coming to the river of change to be baptized into his rabbinical ministry. Amen. Now, (laughs) you're going to love this next part. Something very special happens every once in a while at the baptism of a new rabbi. It doesn't happen all the time. Matter of fact, 99.99% of the time, it never happens. But about once every four or five generations, about 100, 150 years, at this time and culture that we're talking about in the Bible, a very special rabbi is graduated. But for you to understand how special this is, we need to look back at what the other 99.99% of the rabbis are doing. When a 12-year-old boy is vetted and selected to go to the Bet Talmud and is selected by a rabbi to be his disciple, like I said before, we could liken it to a high school slash college education over those 18 years. Amen? In college, for example... If you take college classes today, you get your choice of what you want to study. You can study anthropology, zoology, meteorology, geology, uh, business, business finance, accounting. You have all these different areas of expertise that you can study for. Amen? Medical doctor, lawyer, law enforcement, whatever. Well, it was the same thing back in these days concerning the rabbis. There were rabbis who were teachers. There were rabbis who were basically accountants. There were rabbis who handled the herds. There were rabbis who served in construction on the temple complex area, repairing things and building things. But all of them were connected with the temple And with service to God. So when a 12-year-old boy was questioned about his interests, the rabbi would select the ones who were more aligned to what they were going to be doing in their service for the temple. 
And those boys were the ones who were told, follow me. Follow me. You could be a child who had, let's say, uh, an inkling for accounting. You're really good with numbers. You've been pre-vetted. A rabbi comes in who is a you know, uh, musician. He comes up to you and says, what's your expertise in? Well, accounting. I'm really good with numbers. That's eh, not what I'm looking for. He goes to the next person and the next person. He gets this one and says, I love blowing the shofar. I, I do that really well. Okay, follow me. He doesn't have to ask the spiritual questions because they've already been pre-vetted on that. Those who couldn't do it and couldn't measure up were washed out. Now they're looking for specific interests. Amen. These were the ones who were were told by their rabbi, follow me. And that's 99.99% of the rabbi trainees for every 100 years or so. And each rabbi... Each rabbi could only teach in the subsection culture of what they were taught by their rabbi. You see, that's how they maintained the purity of the scriptures down through the years. So if you were selected as a 12-year-old boy to be a disciple of your rabbi, your rabbi can only teach you what he was taught by his rabbi before him. And as a 12-year-old boy, your teacher, who was taught by his rabbi, well, his rabbi could only teach what was taught to him by his rabbi. And so on and so forth. All the way back, it could be traced all the way back to the times of Moses or Aaron or to a very special rabbi who so impressed his religious tutors and authorities and teachers that he was given special permission to develop a new line of rabbinical teaching. This allowed them to use, to coin a phrase today, to keep up with the times. Okay? I mean, your rabbi may be stuck in uh, Morse code and and using them little did you know the little sliding stone abiscus, I think it's called. I'm not sure on that, but uh, you know you know what I'm talking about. We're, and we're living in a computer age. Your rabbi has to get with the times. Well. If your rabbi didn't want to get with the times and there comes along another rabbi who knows modern technology, his computer programmer, and he completely understands how to operate these computers, he would be given special samika to start teaching other rabbis this new technology so they could be incorporated into the temple and everything stays up to date. Amen. And I said about every four or five generations, about every 100, 150 years, this special rabbi would come along who's so far ahead of everyone else in their studies that the religious scholars are in awe. 
This rabbi's ability to process information and quote scriptures just amazed them so much that at graduation time, you're now becoming a full-fledged rabbi. When, as they were going to be baptized, they were given a special commission. It was called Somika. Somika. Say it. Somika. Somika. Now, 99.99% of all the other rabbis we've already established did not have Somika. That was the norm. But when was when one was found worthy, then Somika was given to him. Amen. And when Somika was given to a rabbi, he was no longer bound to the policy of teaching only what his rabbi taught him. This Samika was special permission that allowed this rabbi to develop an entirely new line of teaching. One that never existed before. Which could be totally different from what every other rabbi was teaching just as long as it followed the main dictate scripture. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Give me a second here. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. There we go. All right. Had a little technical issue I had to take care of. Praise the Lord. This Satan must not, we, we must be entering an area Satan doesn't want you to understand. But here we are. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 99.99% of all the other rabbis, did not have Samika. But when one was found worthy, then Samika was given to him. And this Samika meant he was no longer bound to the policy of teaching only what his rabbi taught him. It gave him special permission to develop an entirely new line of teaching. This new line of teaching could be totally different. Totally, completely different from what any other rabbi was teaching. Just as long as it followed the dictates of Scripture. In other words, it could not do anything to break the Scriptures. You know, like, oh, it's okay now to kill your wife when dinner's cold or something like that. that now, that is still in place. Amen? Glory to God. In order to receive Samika... It could only be confirmed at the rabbi's baptism. This wasn't something that they could study 10, 15 years and receive Samika because of some new study they did. No, it can only be confirmed at their baptism. What was required to receive Samika at your baptism was at least a minimum of two witnesses must stand up as the disciples being baptized, or as the new uh, rabbis being baptized, and give testimony to the uniqueness of this rabbi. If only one person stood up, nope. He was still bound by the teachings of his old rabbi. But if two would give verbal testimony to the uniqueness of this rabbi, 
Then Samika was conferred. Let me give you another little revelation. Don't worry, there's more coming. Amen. I'm telling you, this study is full of little revelations, and I'm trying my hardest to hold on to them. So I give them to you all at once. You're just going to run around the room a hundred times shouting hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. At age 30, rabbis graduate. They do not graduate at age 31, nor at age 29, just age 30. If this person who's trying to be a rabbi did not have all of his studies completed, he was sent home. No extensions. And like I said, he could not graduate early. And there was no retest next year. It was age 30. Are you done? Are you ready? If not, you're cut. And at graduation, every rabbi was baptized. It symbolized his old life was now behind him, and he had entered into a new life of serving God. And we see Jesus at age 30 coming to be baptized by John the Baptist at the Jordan River. And as he's approaching, John declares, if you turn over to John chapter 1, John chapter 1, verse 29, and we'll read down to 34. Is that right? John, 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 John. The next day, John, seeing Jesus coming to him, and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man which is preferred before me. For he was before me. I do not know him, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore I am come baptizing you with water. And John bore record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said to me, Upon whom you shall see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. Amen. Glory to God. Witness number one. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is the Son of God. Amen. Witness number one. Now turn over to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. Then Jesus comes from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized by him. But John forbid him, saying, I have need to be baptized by you, and you're coming to me? And Jesus answered and said to him, Suffer it to be so, or permit it to be so now, for thus it becomes us to fulfill all righteousness. And he permitted him. Then Jesus, when he was baptized, went straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him, and a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Amen. 
Amen. Hallelujah. So we have witness number two. Amen. Jesus comes to John, and John's like, you want me to baptize you? You need to baptize me. Jesus says, no, this has to happen to fulfill Scripture. Why would he say that? Because a new rabbi needs to be baptized. And the new rabbi must be baptized by a recognized religious authority. The people recognized John. Even the Pharisees had come to John and questioned him as to who he was because they knew of him as well. In Matthew 3, verse 17, still needing a second witness and fighting on, God the Father breaks through the atmosphere with an audible voice and says, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Witness number two. Two witnesses give verbal testimony at the baptism of Jesus. Means Jesus now has Somika. Amen. Remember, the one who has Samika has special rabbinical privileges that allow him to develop his own line of teaching. He's free to create this line in any way he chooses as long as it follows God's laws. Glory to God. So where do new rabbis go to get disciples? Well, the Bet Talmud, we've already established that, right? We already covered that. This is where the new rabbis go in order to get pre-vetted disciples. And as a rabbi, you have to have disciples. You have to have disciples that follow you. Because a rabbi who doesn't have anyone following him, he's basically just out for a walk, right? So the rabbis go to the Bet Talmud to interview and choose their disciples. These are the young men, age 12. Once they begin to follow the disciples, will stay, uh, follow as a disciple, their, their new rabbi, they will stay with their rabbi for 18 years. This rabbi is responsible for not just their education, but also for their welfare and their provisions as well. But Jesus does not go to the Bet Talmud to get disciples. Instead, he comes to Galilee and starts talking to the fishermen there. Hard-working individuals trying to support their families, trying to make a living. Now, isn't that what the rabbis would tell those who were not selected? Go home, learn the family trade, and support your family. And these 12-year-old boys would go home, return home, ashamed that they had washed out, saddened that they had washed out, embarrassed that they had washed out because of their failure. And they may have only missed one or two words. Maybe meaningless words like of or the, as we would say. And instead, they washed out and are sent home. Because remember, only the best of the best could be rabbis. So Jesus walks up to the shoreline, and in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, Jesus from that time begins to preach and say, Repent, 
for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Follow me. Amen. Now, what I'm going to say, I can't prove happened. But you cannot prove it did not happen either. But I believe these guys were possibly boyhood friends with Jesus. And he knows how much it impacted their lives when they were told, you don't have what it takes to be a rabbi. I believe they were friends with Jesus and Jesus was now seeking them out. He's probably very familiar with them, at least as they were growing up and up to the time they washed out of rabbinical school. And why would grown men with businesses to run and families to support give it all up to a new rabbi whose sales pitch, this is his sales pitch, follow me. Why would they do that? What would be their reason behind this? What possible reasons could they have to give everything up because a rabbi says, follow me? I mean, look at Peter, Andrew, James, and John. See who they were. They were boys that had washed out of the rabbinical school. We know that for a fact. We know that because this is what most Jewish boys aspire for, is to be a rabbi, that's what they wanted to do. And when they were washed out, it was devastating. And when they washed out, they were sent home and were put to work in the family business. Then one day, this rabbi, Jesus, shows up on the shore. We know that Jesus was considered a rabbi because the crowd of people keep calling him rabbi. So he's dressed also, probably, I'm 100% sure, as a rabbi because the woman with the issue of blood when she says, I must touch his clothes, that word clothes isn't you know, your undershirt or a shirt or pair of pants like we would use. It was his rabbinical robe that had the little bell things on the bottom. That's what she said by, when she meant by the word clothes. I just need to touch his clothes, his rabbinical clothes, and I shall be healed. Amen. So here... We know Jesus is dressed as a rabbi. All their life, since failing out of rabbi school, these men longed. Their hearts were heavy. They wanted to have a rabbi call out to them and say, Follow me. And those are the words Jesus used to catch their attention. Follow me. So they so longed to hear those two words from a rabbi directed at them that they immediately left their boats, their family, and businesses to follow Jesus. Can you imagine what that conversation must have been like? Think about Peter. We know he was married because a few chapters over, the scripture says Peter's mother-in-law was sick and Jesus healed her. So the disciples go home and tell their wives, uh, I sold the boat today. Here's the money. I said, what? Why would you sell the boat? Because a rabbi told me to follow him. What? What rabbi? Why would you follow him at your age? 
Well, his name is Jesus, and it's been said that he has Samika. And anyway, I'll be leaving. I don't know when I'll be back this way, but I'll check in on you when I can. Could you imagine how that conversation was headed in that household? And then think about poor Zebedee. He lost most of his crew in one day with no notice given. Amen. You have just heard a message of encouragement from anointed pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau with Freedom Through Faith Ministries in Baltimore, Maryland. For more information on the Freedom Through Faith Ministries or to invite Pastor Thibodeau to your church, please visit our website, www.ftfm.org. That's FTFM for Freedom Through Faith Ministries. Again, that's ftfm.org. Until next time, when we gather together around the Word of God, be blessed. And remember, we serve an awesome God. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.